Skeleton of a giant found. Reported discovery of a huge skeleton. Monstrous skulls and bones. A race of Indian giants. Giant skeleton unearthed at Buzzards Bay. Skeleton found of a man over nine feet high with an enormous skull. New Mexico discovery, 12 foot giant found. These are newspaper headlines, and they're not from the National Enquirer or any other disreputable tabloid like that. They're all from the New York Times. These are just a few examples of hundreds of similar newspaper articles about giant skeletons that were published throughout the 19th century and into the early 20th century. These articles were published in newspapers and magazines all over the United States, many of them quite credible, written by all different authors and reported by unrelated people, mostly workmen, well diggers, miners, quarrymen. But did you know, despite all this press, there are no actual giant skeletons on display anywhere and no follow-up stories to explain what happened to these amazing discoveries? Let's fix that. Hello, I'm Shayla Fontaine, and you're listening to History Fix, where I discuss lesser-known true stories from history you won't be able to stop thinking about. Halloween is fast approaching, and if you live in the United States at least, you've probably caught on to the giant skeleton craze. That's right, 10-foot-tall skeleton yard decorations are trending hard right now. I have, I have no idea why. Like, where do you store that thing for the rest of the year? I have no idea how it got started. There was a pandemic. And then all of a sudden it was okay to go trick-or-treating again, and boom, giant skeletons everywhere. My two-year-old is obsessed. We've gone to our local big box hardware store at least 20 times since the beginning of September. I wish I was exaggerating. He asks almost every day to go see the scary guys at Lowe's, where he marvels at massive plastic skeletons with light-up eyes that move around. And some of the stuff is really scary, like honestly way too scary. He doesn't care. He's all for it. So I'm dedicating this episode to Jules. This one's for you, buddy. But while giant plastic skeletons make for festive Halloween yard decorations, I guess, the giant skeletons we're talking about today were reportedly real. Some cite the newspaper articles as proof of an ancient race of giant humans that once inhabited North America. Others say it's all completely false. I see a giant rabbit hole of conspiracy theories, pseudoscience, and speculation that is all too easy to fall straight into with the simplest of Google searches. So of course I spent way too much time on this one, and I'm more confused than ever. But it's a really interesting study on how we know what we know, and also how much we probably don't know. I don't want you walking away from this one like an ancient race of North American giants is real. I learned it from History Fix. But I'm also not going to tell you that they aren't real. I'll let you form your own opinions. We're talking about ancient humans here. Humans from before recorded history. Prehistoric, if you will. So let's take it all the way back for a sec. There are a few different theories about where modern humans originated. The most popular theory is the out of Africa theory. According to this theory, human ancestors evolved from apes like chimpanzees and bonobos between 8 million and 6 million years ago. According to the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History, at around 4 million years ago, one of the earliest defining human traits emerged, the ability to walk on two legs. 
Other human qualities, a large brain, the ability to make tools and spoken language emerged much more recently, and advanced traits like using symbols and art only appeared within the last 100,000 years. According to the Smithsonian, scientists recognize anywhere from 15 to 20 different species of early humans before Homo sapiens, which are modern humans, you and me. Homo sapiens seem to have evolved from earlier species around 300,000 years ago in East Africa. They hung out in Africa for quite a while and then eventually started to leave between 60,000 and 90,000 years ago. They headed to Asia, Europe, then Australia, and eventually the Americas. But there are still major questions about when Homo sapiens actually arrived in the Americas. The theory had always been that humans walked over to Alaska from Siberian Russia, likely following large game. Today, that's water. But during the last ice age, the water was frozen into solid ice, glaciers. The last ice age started around 100,000 years ago and lasted until around 12,000 years ago. But for most of that time, the glaciers would have been impassable to humans. Scientists theorize that this land bridge between Siberia and Alaska could only have been crossed between 20,000 years ago, when the glaciers melted enough for humans to actually walk on them, until 10,000 years ago, when they were gone, completely melted back into water, and now you need a boat. So they've always believed that humans crossed over from Asia to North America during that span of time, 20,000 to 10,000 years ago. And for a long time, the archaeological evidence supported the theory. The first well-identified human culture existing in North America is the Clovis people. This name comes from the distinct spearhead points they carved out of stone, which were first discovered near Clovis, New Mexico. Clovis sites have been found throughout North America and even as far south as Venezuela and dated as far back as 13,000 years ago using radiocarbon dating. So that checks out with the land bridge theory, right? Between 20,000 and 10,000 years ago, okay, 13,000 years ago works. Based on studies of Clovis sites, it seems they originated in the Great Plains region and spread out from there, likely following large game like mastodons. But it's not like these guys were walking all the way down to Venezuela in one lifetime, like one guy followed a mastodon all the way to the next continent. We're talking about a very gradual spread that took many generations, each one moving a little bit farther and a little bit further. So scientists were pretty pleased with themselves. They came up with a theory because of the ice age and the glaciers and such, and then they actually found evidence that backed it up. The Clovis timeline was spot on. But then, in 1975, remains of an ancient human settlement were found in Monteverde, Chile, dating back to at least 14,200 years ago. So this blows the clovis Lambridge theory wide open. If they supposedly arrived 13,000 years ago, how could they be all the way down in Chile 14,200 years ago? Since then, more and more evidence has surfaced, suggesting that humans arrived in the Americas earlier than previously thought. Excavations in 2009 at the Cooper's Ferry site in Idaho uncovered 16,000-year-old spearheads, and very, very recently, like yesterday pretty much, 18,000-year-old stone tools were found in Oregon. These are pretty solid. But there have been other more controversial finds. In 2020, archaeologists uncovered around 1,900 stone artifacts in a cave in Mexico that were dated to around 32,000 years ago, which is before scientists even thought it possible that humans could walk across the land bridge. 
But some argued that the oldest stone artifacts found there may not have been made by humans at all and are just geofacts, which are normal rocks that look man-made. 35,000-year-old stone artifacts have been found in Brazil, but a new study revealed that they may have actually been made by capuchin monkeys, not humans. Apparently, these monkeys use rocks to break open nuts. But, I mean, hitting a nut with a rock is very different than shaping a rock into a spear point or an axe head or pestle or anything, really. I feel like a rock that a monkey used to break open a nut 35,000 years ago still just looks like a normal rock. So what about these, quote, stone artifacts made them think there were evidence of early human inhabitants? I'm a little confused. Possibly the wildest find of all comes from the Cerruti Mastodon site in San Diego. Basically, they were expanding the freeway there back in 1992 and had to dig down to construct a drainage system. But when they dug, they discovered a bunch of mastodon bones. So mastodons are similar to mammoths. They're just a little bit different. Think like a like a crocodile and an alligator, which since this episode is dedicated to my two-year-old Jules, I have to throw in, he calls both of these animals croca-alligiles. <laughs> so they found a bunch of mastomyth bones, JK, they were mastodons, and proceeded to excavate and study that site over the next few decades. Apparently, some of these bones were sharply, like intentionally broken and found next to five large stones that looked like they had been used as hammers and anvils. So researchers theorized that the mastodons at the Cerruti site had been butchered by humans. Then, in 2017, they dropped a bombshell on the scientific community when they revealed the age of these finds. 130,000 years old. That's 100,000 years before the earliest, even halfway credible evidence of humans in the Americas. And what's more, it's before modern humans were even supposed to have left Africa. So what the heck were they doing in San Diego 130,000 years ago? How is that even possible? Are these just capuchin monkeys cracking open nuts next to a mastodon bone that just randomly broke in clean lines? Was it some other early human that evolved separately in the Americas? But evolved from what? There are no apes in the Americas, no chimps, no bonobos. Did they somehow migrate there much earlier than we ever thought possible? Who broke the mastodon bones like that? The evidence is highly contested within the scientific community, but to me, it just means there's a lot we still don't understand about human evolution and migration. We clearly have no idea when humans arrived in the Americas. It's like looking at a puzzle when a bunch of the pieces are still missing. It's hard to see the full picture. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense without the rest of the pieces. One thing scientists mostly agree on is that humans have gotten larger as they've evolved. I mean, there have been a few ups and downs, but they've mostly grown in height. A species of ancient humans called Homo floresiensis was discovered in Indonesia in 2003. They found a teeny female skeleton they named Lucy, who was only three feet tall. Neanderthals, who Homo sapiens are most closely related to, had an average height of five feet five inches for males and five foot one inch for females 
which I don't know why I thought Neanderthals were big. They were pretty short. By the Middle Ages, modern humans, Homo sapiens, in Europe are coming in at an average of 5'8". But this actually decreased some to an average of just under 5'6 during the 1600s and 1700s. This is probably because of that mini ice age I talked about in episode 29 about witches that led to a lot of crop failure, famine, poor health in general for a few centuries. So they're just malnourished, basically. Bit of a backslide. But in the 1800s, and especially the 1900s, it starts to go back up. Today, the average height of a white male is 5 feet 10 inches. And I'm saying white because apples to apples, all the other numbers I gave you were European heights as well. Except for the little teeny Lucy lady. But that one's just fun, so I had to throw it in. But overall, despite some minor backslides, humans have been getting taller and taller since they first evolved. So the discovery of, say, a 12-foot-tall human skeleton would throw quite a wrench in the spokes of the scientific community that has worked tirelessly to put together this puzzle of human evolution. It's a piece that just straight up does not fit in the puzzle. Scientifically, anyway. Now, if we look at this instead through legends and folklore and myth, it fits quite well. Many different cultures have told stories about giants forever, fee-fi-fo-fum, right? The name giant comes from Greek mythology. The gigantes were a race of giant demigods who were the offspring of Gaia, goddess of the earth. Latin-based words like gigantic, gigante, giant come from the Greek gigantes. So we literally describe big things by relating them to these mythical Greek half-god giants. The gigantes were powerful and violent, and they challenged the Greek gods for power. They were bad guys. What's interesting is that indigenous people living in the Americas also had legends and myths about giants, and they had zero contact with ancient Greece. So these stories evolved independently of one another. The giants in these stories were also wild, violent man-eaters. The great Chinu from the Passamaquoddy people of New England, the stone giants from the Iroquois of New York State, the Satika from the Paiute of the Southwest, even the Sasquatch from the Chehalis people of the Pacific Northwest. But you may know that one better as Bigfoot. Giants run rampant throughout the legends told by indigenous Americans. Even some Christians believe in a race of ancient giant humans based on the Nephilim mentioned in the Bible from before the Great Flood. These giant half-human offspring were supposedly born through a sinful relationship between angels and human women. They were also violent bullies and tyrants. Nephilim are mentioned in the books of Genesis and Numbers. So, I can't help but see the connection between all these mythical giants. Is this just some weird insight into human psychology that these different groups at different times and different places would all come up with the same creatures? Or is it all based on creatures that actually existed? This is a history podcast, so I can only speculate but so much there. What I can tell you with certainty is that starting in the 1800s, newspapers started publishing stories about people finding giant skeletons all over North America. Let's get into some of these. The first series of stories to come out, all over the country really, were in 1845. The Cleveland Herald in Ohio, the Jeffersonian Republic in Pennsylvania, the Western Weekly Review in Tennessee, and the New York Herald all reported that the skeleton of an 18-foot-tall human was dug up by well diggers in Franklin County, Tennessee. 
These are followed up two years later by an article in the American Journal of Science in which William M. Carpenter, a medical doctor and a professor of medicine in Louisiana, examined the skeleton and determined that it was actually the bones of a small mastodon, not a man at all. Carpenter writes, quote, Much interest has been recently excited by the announcement of the discovery in Tennessee of the remains of a man 18 feet high. The papers teemed with accounts of the prodigy, and public confidence was secured by the assertion that the distinguished physicians of the West had testified that they were human remains. After seeing the skeleton in person, he writes, quote, At a glance, it was apparent that it was nothing more than the skeleton of a young mastodon. And he goes on to explain that the mastodon bones had been pieced together to resemble a human skeleton with pieces of wood standing in for missing bones. So this one's debunked. Not a giant human at all. Actually a small mastodon. But the fact that it has any follow-up update at all is exceedingly rare. On November 21st, 1856, the New York Times published an article titled Skeleton of a Giant Found. It read, quote, a day or two since, some workmen engaged in subsoiling the grounds of Sheriff Wiccan at his vineyard in East Wheeling came across a human skeleton. Although much decayed, there was little difficulty in identifying it by placing the bones, which could not have belonged to others than a human body, in their original position. The impression made by the skeleton in the earth and the skeleton itself were measured by the sheriff and a brother in the craft locale, both of whom were prepared to swear that it was 10 feet 9 inches in length. Its jaws and teeth were almost as large as those of a horse. The bones are to be seen at the sheriff's office, end quote. And then just nothing. No follow-up, nothing to verify whether or not the sheriff's fine was actually a 10-foot-tall human. New York Times again, December 25th, 1868, reported discovery of a huge skeleton, reprinted from the St. Rapids Sentinel in Minnesota, quote, Day before yesterday, while the quarrymen employed by the St. Rapids Water Power Company were engaged in quarrying rock for the dam, which is being erected across the Mississippi at this place, found embedded in the solid granite rock the remains of a human being of gigantic status. The grave was 12 feet in length, 4 feet wide, and about 3 feet in depth, and is today at least 2 feet below the present level of the river. The remains are completely petrified and are of gigantic dimensions. The head is massive, measuring 31 and one-half inches in circumference, but low in the asfrontis and very flat on top, which, by the way, I have no idea what an asfrontis is. Google is also stumped. The femur measures 26 and a quarter inch and the fibula 25 and a half, while the body is equally long in proportion. From the crown of the head to the sole of the foot, the length is 10 feet 9 and a half inches. The giant must have weighed at least 900 pounds when covered with a reasonable amount of flesh. The petrified remains, and there is nothing left but the naked bones, now weigh 304 and one quarter pounds. The thumb and fingers of the left hand and the left foot from the ankle to the toes are gone. But all the other parts are perfect. And then once again, nothing. Where is this 31-inch skull? What happened to it? 304 and one quarter pounds of bone? Where are they? Toronto Daily Telegraph, August 23rd, 1871. Niagara's Ancient Cemetery of Giants. Quote, 
On Wednesday last, Reverend Nathaniel Wardell, Messrs. Oren Wardell of Toronto and Daniel Friedenberg were digging on the farm of the latter gentleman, which is on the banks of the Grand River in the township of Cayuga. When they got to five or six feet below the surface, a strange sight met them. Piled in layers, one upon top of the other, were some 200 skeletons of human beings, nearly perfect, around the neck of each one being a string of beads. There were also deposited in this pit a number of axes and skimmers made of stone. In the jaws of several of the skeletons were large stone pipes, one of which Mr. O. Wardell took with him to Toronto a day or two after this Golgotha was unearthed. These skeletons are those of men of gigantic stature, some of them measuring nine feet, very few of them being less than seven feet. Some of the thigh bones were found to be at least a foot longer than those at present known, and one of the skulls being examined completely covered the head of an ordinary person. These skeletons are supposed to belong to those of a race of people anterior to the Indians. Some three years ago, the bones of a mastodon were found embedded in the earth about six miles from this spot. The pit and its ghastly occupants are now open to view of anyone who may wish to make visit there. Huh? 200 giant skeletons open to be viewed by anyone, and then just nothing, no follow-up, no further reporting on this find. New York Times, February 8, 1876, The Early American Giant, quote, The public will be unpleasantly reminded of the callous indifference to the future on the part of the prehistoric Americans by the recent discovery of three unusually fine skeletons in Kentucky. A Louisville paper asserts that two men lately undertook to explore a cave which they accidentally discovered not far from that city. The entrance to the cave was small, but the explorers soon found themselves in a magnificent apartment richly furnished with the most expensive and fashionable stalactites. In a corner of this hall stood a large stone family vault, which the men promptly pried open. In it were found three skeletons, each nearly nine feet in height. The skeletons appear to have somewhat frightened the young men, for on seeing so extensive collection of bones, they immediately dropped their torch and subsequently wandered in darkness for 36 hours before they found their way back to daylight and soda water. <laughs> what? <laughs> they wandered around in a dark cave for 36 hours and then chugged some soda water? What about the nine-foot skeletons, NYT? Nothing? No follow-up. The Marion Daily Star and Scientific American both reported on a burial mound uncovered in Ohio in 1880 that contained 11 giant human skeletons, including 9-foot-tall men and 8-foot-tall women. But let's skip ahead a little to May 4, 1908, New York Times again. Giant skeletons found. Cave in Mexico gives up the bones of an ancient race. Quote, Charles C. Clapp, who has recently returned from Mexico, where he has been in charge of Thomas W. Lawson's mining interests, has called the attention of Professor Agassiz to a remarkable discovery made by him. He found, in Mexico, a cave containing 200 skeletons of men, each above 8 feet in height. The cave was evidently the burial place of a race of giants who antedated the Aztecs. Mr. Clapp arranged the bones of one of these skeletons and found the total length to be 8 feet 11 inches. The femur reached up to his thigh and the molars were big enough to crack a coconut. The head measured 18 inches from front to back. So, 200 skeletons again. I find that interesting. That's a very specific number. And you guys, these are just a handful of the hundreds of articles reporting similar finds. 
For the most part, the stories are all very similar. Now, remember, they're all coming from different newspapers, different states, different authors, different witnesses, and yet most of them contain some key similarities. First of all, most of the skeletons were found, measured, and reported to the press by normal people laymen, typically workmen, not scientists. They were usually digging wells, mining, or working in rock quarries when they came upon these finds. Something else many of them mention, some sort of scientist is usually on the scene or has been called to the scene to analyze the find. And the final thing almost all of them have in common they just go completely silent after that initial report. There's no follow-up. There's no report of the scientist's analysis. There's no bones on display. It's maddening. Like, if it was fake, just tell us it was fake. If they measured the bones wrong or something, or it was actually just another mastodon, tell us that. Don't just put some wild stuff out there and then nothing. Inquiring minds need to know what the heck these people found. Even if it's just a regular-sized ancient human and they measured it wrong, I'd like to know that too. That still seems like a valuable find. The lack of any sort of follow-up conclusion to these reports is a defining feature of almost every single one. Why? It's a juicy topic. Why not keep reporting on it? I'm left with two possible answers to that question. First, they quickly discovered that the find was not legit, either a mismeasurement, misidentification, or just totally made up, a hoax. It's possible these newspapers did not want to hurt their credibility by coming out and admitting that they had reported fake news, essentially. So they just dropped the story and hoped everyone would forget about it. There is a precedent for this. In 1868, the Cardiff giant was discovered in New York and it made headlines all over. It was a big deal. Until it was revealed to be a hoax. A cigar maker named George Hull was... I guess just really bored with his life, and bought a huge block of gypsum. He then hired a sculptor to carve it into the shape of a 10-foot-tall man and gave it to his cousin, a guy named William Newell, who buried it on his farm in Cardiff, New York. These two pranksters then hired some workmen to dig a well in the exact spot they buried their fake giant and quote-unquote discovered it, put it on display, and charged people money to come see it. Now, scientists could tell immediately that this thing was fake, but a lot of people thought it was real and paid to come see it. But you guys, if you look at a photo of the Cardiff giant, I have one on my Instagram, it's definitely fake. Like, it's comically unconvincing. Also, it's naked and rather explicit, I might add. I know there was all that really, really stupid controversy recently about parents being upset that their children were exposed to Michelangelo's statue of David because it was too, quote, pornographic of all the things to be upset about, not 180 school shootings in the last 10 years. No, it's Michelangelo's tasteful nude. There's nothing tasteful about the Cardiff Giant. It is actually pornographic. Like, I don't even know if Instagram's going to let that one fly. If it's gone before you get there, just Google it or something. Anyway, George Hull pretty quickly admitted the giant was fake. He was embroiled in a legal battle with P.T. Barnum, the circus guy, who had made his own giant and was claiming the Cardiff giant was fake and his was real. So Hull and Noel took Barnum to court, but then they refused to swear under oath that the Cardiff giant was legit and it all just fell apart. What? an absolutely silly court case that must have been. So that's one theory, that these reported giant skeletons were not actually giant skeletons at all, and the newspapers just didn't want to admit that they had published bogus stories. The other possible answer to the lack of follow-up is that they were, in fact, giant skeletons, 
And there was a cover-up of some kind, either by the government or the scientific community, for whatever reason. They confiscated the bones, locked them away somewhere, and kept the newspapers from publishing any more reports about the finds. That's far-fetched, I know, but it's not impossible. Esotericism is a school of thought based on speculative ideas about spirituality and society. Esotericists are, are basically fringe theorists who turn to ancient cultures in search of wisdom. I touched on this in episode 14 about Atlantis when I mentioned Helena Blavatsky's Theosophical Society. Blavatsky published The Secret Doctrine in 1888, in which she argued that there was, in fact, a race of ancient giants, but scientists were actively covering up evidence that supported it. In this book, she writes, quote, Is it possible that prejudice would carry science so far as to class all these men as either fools or liars? End quote. Author Richard Dewhurst proposes a similar theory in his book, The Ancient Giants Who Ruled America, but he gets real specific with it, claiming that the Smithsonian Institution, and more specifically, John Wesley Powell, who was the director of the Smithsonian's Bureau of Ethnology starting in 1879, covered up the giant skeleton finds in order to push his own agenda. Dewhurst believes Powell wanted to cover up any evidence that didn't fit with the theory of evolution, which suggests humans would get bigger and stronger as they evolved and not smaller and weaker. He claims Powell also sought to discredit Native American myths and culture so they would seem less civilized. This was during a time when the U.S. government was seizing land that had been occupied by indigenous people for, well, we're not even sure how long, and Powell wanted to justify that. Now, Dewhurst may seem like an unhinged fringe conspiracy theorist here, but I want to point out that he is actually a very accomplished and credible author. He's an Emmy award-winning writer of an HBO documentary called Dear America, Letters Home from Vietnam. He was also a writer and editor for the History Channel, the Arts and Entertainment Channel, PBS, Fox, ABC News, TNT, Paramount Pictures, and the Miami Herald. So he's not just some weird guy in a basement somewhere who's got it out for John Wesley Powell and the Smithsonian. But most of his evidence to back this theory is just the newspaper articles. So we're kind of back to square one. There's not really any way to prove the cover-up theory. I suppose it's possible that the giant skeletons, if they were real, were actually just very large humans, not mythical beasts. I mean, I don't know about like the 10-footers and 12-footers. But a lot of these articles report skeletons that are like seven foot something. That's not impossible. There are modern humans in the seven foot range. Look at the NBA. Is it possible they were uncovering Native Americans who were just naturally super tall because of a healthy diet and genetics? That seems possible to me. But when you get into eight, nine, ten feet, uh, certainly less normal, but still not impossible. Maybe these people suffered from gigantism an actual explainable medical condition. Children with gigantism usually have a tumor pressing on their pituitary gland that causes it to release extra growth hormones. They just keep on growing, reaching heights far above average, over eight feet. Robert Wadlow, the tallest human we know about, grew to eight feet, 11 inches tall. But gigantism is not genetic, and it's super rare, occurring in only three or four out of a million people. The chances of finding a bunch of ancient humans with this condition buried all together, 
extremely low. And it, it doesn't explain why there was never a follow-up reporting on the finds or exhibits of the bones in museums. No mention of seven or eight foot tall Native Americans in textbooks. So I'm still left with two possibilities. There never were any giant human skeletons found, or there were giant human skeletons found, and for whatever reason, the powers that be covered it up and kept that information hidden away. But they couldn't take back those newspaper articles. They were already out there. And now they form the foundation for a fringe theory of an alternate human evolution or the existence of mythical beast. I'm not even sure which. In last week's episode about Vlad Dracula, I talked about two different types of historical evidence. The first type, the best type, is forensic evidence, bones. Bones can tell us a lot about where humans lived, how they lived, how they died. Bones are irrefutable evidence. Except, of course, in this case, where the bones just disappear. Despite all the reported finds, there are no giant skeleton bones for us to study. The second type of historical evidence is witness accounts. We have this in letters, journals, books, articles, but this type of evidence is less reliable. It's too easy to twist stories and sensationalize events to work in the favor of the witness. Like I said last week, for this type of evidence to mean something, it has to be cross-referenced. It has to come from multiple sources independently. And it does here. These articles are coming out over the course of almost 100 years all over North America, different newspapers, different authors, totally unrelated. But once again, they just disappear with no follow-up. No, oh, whoops, never mind. No, scientists determined that the bones were dot, dot, dot. Nothing. So the evidence is there and also not there at the same time. I'm at a loss on this one, so I will leave it up to you to decide. Were all of the newspaper articles wrong? Hundreds of them, all reporting false stories of people digging up giant skeletons? Were these witnesses, as Helena Blavatsky put it, all fools or liars? Or were they right? Were these giants really being unearthed all around North America, but it was covered up? Evidence hidden, newspapers silenced to satisfy the agenda of a government agency? I'm not sure we'll ever know. The only thing I know for sure at the end of this episode is that there's a whole lot we don't know. A bunch of missing puzzle pieces. Thank you all so very much for listening to History Fix. I hope you found this story interesting and maybe you even learned something new. Be sure to follow my Instagram at History Fix Podcast to see some images that go along with this episode and to stay on top of new episodes as they drop. I'd also really appreciate it if you would rate and follow this podcast on whatever app you're using to listen. That'll make it much easier to get your next fix. Information used in this episode was sourced from an Unexplained Mysteries podcast episode called Giant Skeletons. Live Science, the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History, the Columbus Dispatch, Ancient Origins, Simon & Schuster, CNN, Livestrong, JasonColavito.com, as well as all of the various newspaper articles mentioned earlier. As always, links to these sources can be found in the show notes.